You're listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson, the podcast that tells you what it really takes to build a business and the simple steps to get you there. I'm determined to share with you the reality of easy, simple business marketing tips to make passive income so that you can start making money online. Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast. It's a solo episode today. I wanted to, while it was still fresh in my mind, talk to you about the things that I learned in my $2.9 million launch that I had this month. I normally do it even earlier than this, because as soon as you finish a launch, you forget everything. But I've got, I've kind of written a few little pointers down, little bullet points of the kind of things that went right in this launch and the things that were challenging or went wrong in the launch. And as always, when I do any kind of launch, I like to debrief with myself and with my team. I evaluate it because like after a launch, you're kind of over it. <laughs> We're completely honest about it, especially during an affiliate launch, because you spend all of this time I, it, much longer than a normal launch, like maybe even two to three months thinking about it. It takes it takes over a little bit, but it's really important that you do evaluate, even if you're like, oh, that's done. That's over with now. I don't have to think about that anymore. Like make yourself sit down and think about it because after you close cart, every day that goes past, you are going to forget all the little things that might make the difference to the next launch that you do because they're things that you won't remember, little tiny things that, you know, oh, we'll do this better next time or we should do this next time or we saw that that happened. So write all of those things down. So that's what I've kind of done in brief. But the launch didn't work out the way we thought it would, which is why it's even more interesting than normal. It's the most interesting launch I've ever done. And I've done you know, many, many launches and I've helped many, many people with their launches as well. So I kind of see a lot of what happens in this online world when it comes to launching. But this one just went very differently. We had to do some stuff along the way to keep steering it in the right direction because it, it wasn't going how it was supposed to go. Things kept happening that meant that it didn't work out as we expected it to. I won't say went wrong because I don't think there is such a thing as going wrong when you launch. You just learn from what's happening. Things change all the time in this industry. And one of the things I always say is the reason that some of the launches aren't working from people that have been doing launches for 15, 20 years is because things do change so much. And if they do the same thing over and over again, and you do see that in this industry, like the people that have been in it right from the beginning, they're still launching now the same way and calling it the same thing as they launched 15 years ago. That doesn't work anymore. And it's why people are having so many problems with launching. You have to keep up with what your audience is doing. And I think we, that's one of the things that I think we do really well. We look at what our audience is needing. We see what's what kind of trends are happening out there and how we can maximize that. And yeah, we kind of pioneer and we, and we go for it. And I think that's why our launches are the biggest that there are um, in the UK and, and one of the biggest in the US. So it didn't work the way we wanted to, but I think that's just because the online world is changing. I think it's a good thing and I'll tell you why a bit later. So the first thing I want to tell you is that we did not hit our target. I know it's like $2.9 million. How did you not hit your target? But I have big targets. And I like to be transparent about these things. And rather than just celebrate, oh, we made $2.9 million, we didn't hit our target at the end of the day. And that's okay. It's not a failure. It's an opportunity to learn. Our target was pretty high at $3.2 million. Um, we hit 2.9, so we were out. I would rather have a stretch goal and not hit it 
then a goal I think we can easily do because it pushes me further and it pushes my team further having a stretch goal. I think as well, we've all had launches that haven't worked, that we haven't hit target. And the reason I'm telling you that we didn't hit target is so that you realize that it happens to everyone, happens to all of us, no matter what level you're at you're still going to not hit targets sometimes. You're still not going to get what you want sometimes. But what you can't do is go, oh, well, that didn't work. So there's no point doing it anymore. Like we made less this time in actual revenue. We made less money than we did on our last launch, but we made more profit than we did on our last launch. So it's, it's an interesting one. So let's start with what the challenges were. The first challenge, as always, when it comes to my launches, was Facebook ads. So we'd gone with a new ads manager this time. We've tried a few different ads managers now. And although we've had good traction with like email list building, not brilliant traction, but we've had good traction. It's kind of worked to an extent with things like email list building. We've never been able to make it work with a launch. We've never had much luck with ads during the launch. And I think it's because of the wording we use. Some people out there seem to be able to use words like money, income. We can't. They just stop us using words like passive income, money all the time. And that's really hard when what you sell is passive income. Like it's really hard to recurring revenue. We change it to and then they didn't like revenue. Like whatever we change it to, they don't seem to like. Facebook doesn't seem to be able to differentiate too much from what anyone does to do with passive income and an MLM. So they just put everything in. Well, this must be an MLM basket, which obviously it isn't. But we wanted to try this year to use ads. Like normally I go, oh, let's just not bother with the ads then. But this year I really wanted to try because I know that there are some people out there that all of their, their whole launch is done with ads. So all the money they make is because of ads. Now, we already know how to do it organically. So in my head, I was kind of thinking, well, if organically we do this well, if I use Facebook ads well, won't that double it? But no, it was not to be (laughs) again. So I had a budget of 30,000 to spend on ads, which I know isn't a lot for a multi-million pound launch. The people that I know that do use ads spend around the two to three hundred thousand pound mark to get to a million we've never done that never ever doing that like I feel that that means you can't launch organically and we're all about organic launching but we wanted to spend thirty thousand to see what that would do because we'd never spent that before on ads so we were going to spend some of that on like ads telling people to come to the challenge We were going to spend some of it on like come to the masterclass and we were going to spend some of it on the cart is now open. You can buy one to many on the first try, which was, you know, the challenge ads come to the challenge. We thought that would be quite safe. You know, just come to the challenge. There's there's nothing bad in there. All of our ads got rejected. So then we tweak them, which takes time. We change the wording a bit. Then they kept being approved for like a few hours and then they'd get rejected again. So we'd be on it again. You really waste money doing that because the costs are all in the testing phase. So until you get it kind of going and see it, seeing it working, you can never really tell what the costs are going to be. So it could easily take a couple of thousand just to, you know, on two days testing it like that. And so we were, we were using this money and not actually having ads out there. Like nobody was seeing them because they were being 
disproved every five minutes, rejected all the time. So that wasn't really working. Then eventually, I think after about two days, three days, we got them all approved and they seemed to be approved for a day. And then the costs were coming in at ridiculous things like 18 pounds a lead, <laughs> like like $23 or something just ridiculous. So it wasn't worth it. We, um, we made a call, like me and Zoe, who's my ops manager, and Ange, who was doing the marketing. We sat down and said, like, is this worth keep trying? Because the problem with it, you don't want to spend time during a launch on ads. Like there's so many little things to do. You don't want to be going backwards and forwards and chasing your ads people because you can see that the costs are coming in too high and them telling you we need to tweak the wording. What kind of wording can we use? Like all of that stuff needs to be done before a launch. Anything like that during a launch, you're just doing panic. Yeah, you're just doing panic actions, which we don't like to do. We like everything to be very stress-free. So we just said, let's switch off the ads. Let's do a no ads launch again. I mean, we used ads last time more than this time. And we hardly used ads very much last time. I think we spent 15,000 or something like that, maybe even up to 19,000 during the entire launch. And this time, yeah, we, we it was like nothing. So... It's good in one way because it showed we can still make millions without ads, which is great. But it's bad in one way because this was the year I really wanted to see if ads could boost it. I'm not sure we'll even bother trying next time. I think we'll just say, okay, we'll just always do no ad launches and not bother putting money into ads. I mean, that money can be spent elsewhere. We can give it as prizes to affiliates and that kind of thing which can work really well and, and get you even more people. So yeah, ads was the, the big bugbear as normal. What else kind of went a bit wrong? The, the Facebook group went a bit wrong. So earlier this year, we had a launch, I think it was in January, for my membership. And during that launch, which went really well and we got lots of people in, the thing that didn't go well is the Facebook group the reach in the, we always use like a pop-up group. And normally by using a pop-up group, you get really good reach. Like the people in there see everything you do. But this time when we did the membership, you can sit with us launch. We really noticed that sometimes we were doing a live and there were six people on. And so we were a bit worried that using a group again, a pop-up group again was going to be a problem. And we were right. So last time there was nothing we could do in the in you can sit with us we just did it the the festival that we did didn't work because nobody saw anything and so it ended up being an email launch the email launch worked everybody came in and, and we got the numbers that we wanted but in this in I mean everything is geared around this pop-up Facebook group like the whole challenge is done in there it would make too much of a difference if no one could see anything that we're doing and we could see really early on like I did a live there were 10,000 people in there and I did just like a quick live saying hi and I think there were like 22 people on and I was like oh no how are we going to make this work? There's no other way we can do it. Like this is the way that works really well for us. If people get involved in the challenge, they generally do buy. And so we need to make it work. Like we have a challenge that then goes to a masterclass. And then on the masterclass is when I sell and cart open. So we need the people in the challenge in the Facebook group, because if they're in the challenge, they're more likely to go to the masterclass. So 
it was tricky. We had 10,000 people in the group. Tiny percentage were seeing the lives. So we decided to just go with it, but try a few things. So every time I went live, as soon as I was live, Zoe would get the link from me actually being live at that time and send an email to my entire list or to the people that had opted in for the challenge at some points saying, Lisa is live now. This is the link. Because people were coming on and going, well, I was looking for the, I was looking for your challenge this morning, but even though I was in the group looking for you, Facebook wasn't showing me it. So even though they were looking for it because we were reminding them it was there, they couldn't even find it. It was being hidden by Facebook. And so by giving them the exact link of where I was, they could see me straight away, like click on it and see me straight away. That definitely helped. We also posted it everywhere. So we posted it in my other groups and like on my page and things like that. I also asked the people who were watching. So I'd go straight on and I'd say, look, we're just sending an email out to everybody because Facebook isn't showing this live to anybody. What would really help is you giving me some hearts, thumbs up, that kind of thing. Because as soon as you do that, if if 100 people or even 20 people start doing loads of hearts, thumbs up, engaging with your live, Facebook, it then triggers something and Facebook shows it to more of the people in your group. So we were like, even angry faces work. So people going, why are there angry faces on here? You're not even saying anything bad. And the reason there were angry faces is because my team knew that angry faces is one of the biggest triggers to get Facebook to show it to more people. They like a bit of contention. And so they, my team were giving me angry faces um, to make that happen. So it was funny, but it worked actually, you know, we got the numbers up hugely. There were a couple of thousand people watching things at any one time, which is what we wanted. But still, if we're completely honest about it, we got the more people in the group than we've ever had before. I think it was went up to like 11,000 and something, which is brilliant. But we got the least amount of people watching and engaging than we've ever had before because they couldn't see it they like afterwards people wrote to me saying oh, I really want to join your challenge but nothing happened and I was like we, we did it all it was all in there they were like but I'm part of that group and it didn't tell me anything it didn't send me any notifications and that's annoying they've chosen to be in a group they've turned their notifications on and still Facebook hides it from them so there is definitely scope for somebody to come up with a new program for people that want to launch in a kind of pop-up group where they get notifications. They don't have to go in and find things. That's not me, by the way. (laughs) So any tech people listening, please go do that and I will buy it. What else was a challenge? See, there was quite a lot of challenges. It didn't all go smoothly. Like everyone from the outside is like, it looks so easy when you launch. I'm like, there were always a few challenges, but they're never very stressful. We just get on with it. The affiliates. So This time with the affiliates, a small number of affiliates were chosen because they had a large audience. Not very many, like 99% of people were chosen because they'd done one to many. They have a tiny audience, but they'd done one to many and they liked it. And that's normally the way we go. But we chose a few people who we didn't know very well, who had sometimes millions of followers on Instagram. They hadn't done the program and their audience didn't know me. Looking back, I would not do this again. I would do it if I could start being introduced to the audience really early, like six months to a year earlier. 
Because what it meant is the person that got the most leads into the challenge, so told all their followers come into the challenge, only got one sale out of millions. So it kind of really shows the importance of not just having an audience sitting there. That doesn't mean anything. It's having a really nurtured audience that are re- like wanting to buy the thing you're putting out there. And that no like trust became so obvious because the people that did well and the people that did well were my two highest affiliates. You know, one of them got over 100 sales, which is unheard of in an affiliate launch. And she got over 100 sales because she had introduced me to her audience much earlier. And, you know, her audience knew who I was. The no like and trust was already there. And the second person as well, and both of them had done one to many. So they were able to talk about how it had helped them. I think that makes a difference when you're doing an affiliate launch, like choosing people who have done it and really know how you work and understand your values, because then they talk about those kind of values and it works really, really well. Saying that, we did have one person in the top five that hadn't done one to many, but knew of me, knew of my values. And she spoke more about my values and like integrity than like knowing me or any of that. And that worked really well. She came in top five. So it's just a, it was really interesting to see that it's not just about big numbers. And there's so many people, especially in the US that just do affiliate launches and they just pick their affiliates based on how many people they have in their audience. And I just think that's why it's not working as well for them over there. Pick people that have done what you have done. Pick people that have, you know, loved what you've done and have had results themselves. Because then even if they only have 200 people in their audience, they might get 50 across, which is really, really high. So it was really interesting. But what didn't go so well, so as well as like with the affiliates, the things that didn't go so well, as well as having like people with big numbers that didn't really know me and so it didn't really work, We had a mainly very integrity-based team of affiliates. We always do. It's one of the things that's on the application form. Like we go and look at all of their stuff when they apply. We have like over 200 people applying. We pick a hundred and something. And we always go and look at their posts and look at what they're doing and see if they're honest in integrity because that's our biggest, biggest thing. And as usual, that 99% of them were. They banded together like a team. They wanted the best for the clients rather than for themselves. So if somebody came to them and said, look, I know you brought me into the challenge, but do you think there's somebody better or with better bonuses that I should go with? Those people were saying, yeah, actually, I know you need branding. So go to such and such person over there. And it meant they wouldn't get the money. They'd bought this lead in and they wouldn't get the money, but they were giving leads to each other because they knew it would be better for the client and the client was always their top priority and that's so in integrity like I'm I love that that happens but we always have a couple of issues like you couldn't have that many people and not have a couple of issues and I think this year because you know there was some desperation going on with money like people really needing to make money that it it made people act in a way they wouldn't not people like one person maybe two So we only had one that broke the contract. We have a really good contract for our affiliates that says, if you do anything out of integrity, even if you've made sales, you you will leave the affiliate contest and your sales will be given to somebody else. And we had to do that with one person after we found that her sales, all of them were poached from other leads. 
and when we spoke to the people who bought they agreed and said yeah I was going to go with somebody else but this person wrote to me saying oh no you should go with me instead we can't have that happening it just goes against everything we believe in we don't mind clients deciding to go with other people because we like you know if a client comes in and they like somebody else's bonuses more then they like somebody else's bonuses more and they might book with somebody else but in an integrity launch you don't message people who you didn't bring in and ask them to book on with you instead of somebody else it's just feels really you know dishonest and for the sake of other affiliates, we take really swift action on dishonesty because it's not fair on the people that are working really hard to bring their leads in. So, yeah, so that was one thing. It's only one person out of 130 something. You know, I feel OK about that. The second thing is that kind of was it's not something that went wrong, but that we have to think about, like be mindful of is that. We have to be really abrupt in our emails and messages to and from our affiliates because it's really fast moving. We're talking to affiliates and from clients to looking to book on with us during that week, during like the week after as well. We're talking to maybe a hundred messages or emails an hour that we need to get back to. So affiliates going, oh, I can't see my lead here. Um, my person wants to swap to this person or can this person pay in this way or how many people have I got or is this person on my list affiliate questions 100 an hour easily and then client questions do I get this bonus if I book here did I book within the first 24 hours can I pay at this time like it's so busy and we have a tiny team dealing with this like four of us were dealing with it and so you know, we're answering back, but in reality, we're answering back. There's not really many, hi, how are you doing niceties kind of thing there when we're talking to affiliates, because we're doing that with clients. So with affiliates, we're just like, yeah, you can, or I'll get back to you about this one next week because it's not really needed now. You know, like we're just a sentence or two, pretty abrupt, just getting it out there so that we can answer everyone's questions and everyone's happy. And one affiliate didn't like that, thought we should be more friendly and approachable in our emails, thought that the email to her from one of my team was too abrupt and it bordered on rude. It, it did, I read it, it didn't. It was very abrupt. It was just a, an answer to her question. But she didn't like it and sort of kicked off a little bit about that. In all honesty, when I'm doing a launch, that's the least of my problems. If someone's nose is put out of joint, that's making a load of money from me, from me doing you know, what I do, we give 50% of the profit to our affiliates. So it's teamwork. It's not me needing to bow down to anybody and it's not them needing to bow down to us. It's teamwork. We're in it together. And I think this particular affiliate might have thought that we should be like really pandering to her because she's bringing her audience in. And we just don't see it like that. We see people as partners and in partners, you know, you both work really hard together to get there. We have more affiliates than we take on, you know, lots of people asked to be an affiliate. So it wasn't like I was like, Oh no, this person might not want to be an affiliate again. Like that's never going to cross my mind. I am much more protective of my staff and how they're spoken to than anyone else, because I knew how busy and the work they were doing during that time to not worry about if somebody's a bit put out by an unfriendly tone or someone feeling like a, a, a sentence is too abrupt. So we'll choose more wisely next time. <laughs> you know, all of these things really help 
us to choose our affiliates for the next year because we can see the people that were really helpful to each other and the people that were just in it for themselves, really. And, you know, you, you can see that even people that didn't make, you know, only made maybe one or two sales, they would definitely have them back in again because they were so helpful to everybody else. And I really like to see it as a big team during that time, not like, okay, what can I get out of this? That's not what it's about. So every year we learn more and more about this and about the whole affiliate process. And I think we're having to undo quite a lot of damage in the industry where it's always been seen in the industry. It's like begging, like, please, can you be my affiliate and introduce your audience to us? We've never seen it like that. If I'm honest, we've always seen it as we have a really good product that would help your audience and you can make half of the money from not really having to do very much. And so that's very different to how affiliates normally see things because they've been taught to see it as like, a massive privilege that you would allow your audience to buy my thing. I'm never going to see it like that. It's about the client and only the client and what's good for them. We, it's, it's always a, a learning curve. Now, the biggest, the biggest challenge, it wasn't a bad thing, but it was definitely a challenge, was the launch itself. It could have really messed with my mindset if I had let it, and I nearly did on the first night. We are very used to how our launches work. How our launches work is within the first hour, I make the most amount of sales. Like the last time I did a launch, I made a million in the first hour. And then nothing happens for six days. And then on the seventh day, we do the rest of it. And that's how our launches have always worked. Very used to that now. And so this year was so different because... We did the first kind of masterclass and on the hour, not many people bought in, in the masterclass. By the next morning, we were still at very low figures. I was having like a little bit of a panic attack, but then remembering what I always tell my clients, launches change all the time. How launches work is going to be different every year. Doesn't mean anything if you don't get people in the first like day or two, that like, anything could happen. So I calmed myself down. And then suddenly it kind of picked up a bit and we made a million in the first 24 hours. So that was different to, to make a million in the first 24 hours rather than hour. But then how it went and what was really weird about it is that it never stopped. So normally we could easily make no sales in between the first day and the last day. This time we made the same number of sales, like between days two and six. We made at least six figures a day and they were just coming in really steadily every hour, all day and all night, every hour they were still coming in. I've never seen that happen before. And then we got a few more on the last day, but not the big amount that we normally get on the last day because they'd all come in really steadily during the week. This confused the hell out of me. I've never seen that happen before in one of our launches. But yeah, it's good, I think. I think the reasons that it happened, I think people are savvier, they're smart, they've bought stuff online before. And so they really, these days, they're not going to make rash purchases. They're going to really think take the time to think about whether it's something that they actually need that would help them. People are much more savvy with their money now. They're not just going, oh, we'll buy everything. They're thinking, do I need this thing? Is this the best thing for me right now? I think that's a brilliant thing. And so if it means it's going to be slower, I'm happy with it. So 
I think it's that. I think FOMO, fear of missing out, is no, nowhere near as strong as it used to be. I think people are, are so bored of the fear of missing out that now that they're quite happy to miss out if it's not the right thing for them. They're not being swayed with that anymore. Um, whereas before, you know, pe- people might buy because, oh my God, you know, other people are going in who I know. And so I want to go in. That didn't seem to happen this time. And I think as well, fast action bonuses are losing their appeal. So normally, you know, we'd do a bonus and people would come in for the bonus. And I think people are like, I'm not just going to come in for a bonus. I'm going to see if I really need this program. I think they're also doing their due diligence. Like people were searching me. They were like, I could see that on my SEO, so many things were going up because people were having a look to see if what the claims I was making were right. They were watching videos of me interviewing old clients, like all the things that I really want them to do. Because what that means is people won't won't be conned as much by people that are unscrupulous and selling courses that aren't going to help and that have no testimonials. People are, are looking, people are making sure they're doing that due diligence, which is brilliant. So they did their due diligence and they did eventually come in, but it took them longer, like three or four days to do that before they came in which I still think is a really good thing. So yeah, what did work though? Although the fast action bonus didn't necessarily make much of a difference, what did make a difference was the pay in full bonus. So more people paid in full than we've ever had on any course, on anything we've done. I was so surprised by it. And it was because we gave away one of our other courses, which people like, called Fabulous Foundations as the bonus. Like if they paid in full, they get a whole extra course and they wanted that. So more people paid in full than we've ever had. Hardly anyone paid over like the six months and then some paid over 12 months. So it's really interesting just to see where it sort of lies. So they're the things that were difficult, like more tricky than usual. We learn every time, we adapt every time. So what went well I won't talk as much about what went well, because it's the same things that always go well. Um, But I'll talk about the things that were maybe a bit different than we normally do that went well. So interviewing past clients went really well. We got a really good mix of clients that had done instead of people like sometimes we interview a lot of people who have made money out of passive income by teaching people how to make money, you know, like more businessy things. What we did this time is we interviewed quite a lot of people that had made a lot of money, multi-six figures, six figures, seven figures. And we interviewed people who hadn't done it through the normal route. So not any kind of businessy things. So for instance, we interviewed somebody that was a baby sleep expert, you know, things that were just a little bit different. And that went really well because it really showed people that you can make money from your hobbies. There was like quite a lot of hobbies in there, like gardening, that kind of thing they'd made money from. And it showed that there was such a diverse range of things that you can make passive income from. So it was really fun interviewing the past clients. I always really enjoy it and people really like it. So that's something we'd definitely do again. Having in the main the right mix of affiliates. Yes, there was a couple that maybe we will invite back again, but most people were exactly our type of affiliate, like in integrity, really super enthusiastic because of how one to many has helped them. Like we, we do, we're doing the right thing when it comes to affiliates. And I feel really strongly about like we're doing affiliate launches well, not just to make money, but to be in integrity. And that's, I really want that to continue happening. Like 
everything we do to be honest and in integrity. And I think we're doing that. We did something that was quite cool this year. I'll do a whole podcast on it, I think. We had a small sales champions team. We've never done this before. But last year, what happened was people asked, oh, can I have a call with you? And I had a call with maybe three people and all of them were like just wanting permission. Just like, is this right for me? This is what I do. Or can it help me do this? Or asking a question, what time is the lives going to be? And they took me like 10 minutes and then those people booked. But I didn't have enough time to do any more than like three. We had about 300 people wanting them. So I thought what we could do this year is get three people that have done one to many and put them through some sales training undo some of that sales training to make it more in integrity. So, you know, no closing on the call or handling objections or any of that kind of stuff. That's just not in alignment with what we do. But so that if people say, I want to talk to somebody that's already done one to many, we can put them through to some people that were just dedicated to that. So in the end, we had four people that had done one to many that were taking calls for the whole week, every 15 to 20 minutes, they would take a call and just answer any questions. And that's that. And we would pay them a commission. And it worked really, really well. It didn't feel like having, I always thought of sales teams as sleazy and it didn't feel like that because of how we'd done it. We'd like really made sure that if we were going to have a sales team, it was going to be a really honest sales team who turned people away if they weren't right and that kind of thing. And it worked brilliantly. So it cost us £12,000 to do that. But those salespeople bought in £400,000 of of the revenue for the launch. So that shows me that it works. So we'll definitely elaborate on that with our other launches. But yeah, I'll do a whole podcast on it because I think there was a lot around that that we learned. And I suppose the last thing that went really well is that it was stress-free. It was completely stress-free again. So, you know, me and Zoe had conversations. We're halfway through going are we doing enough? Like, I've just gone out to lunch. What have you done? Just like, you know, I haven't really had to do much to do with the launch today. It was very stress-free. So we felt like we weren't doing enough, which is what happened last time. But it was because most of the pieces were already in place because we've done this launch a few times now. So yes, we'd already tweaked the emails. We'd already worked out what social media posts. We'd prepped everything beforehand. So there wasn't much to do during the actual launch apart from answer queries. I closed cart for this launch in a park in Disneyland, Florida. That's how stress-free it was because there was nothing for me to do. So we went to Disneyland and we're in different parks each day. And it was still easy, even on the last day. Normally the last day gets a bit manic. I was able to do it in a park and it made no difference. It was really good. So you can do launches stress-free. So I'll be doing a proper numbers debrief at some point. I'll probably let you guys know on this podcast as well. But what we do know is our profit on the launch was higher than last year and not using ads saved us money. So profit wise, it was it was really good. We need to get the exact figures first before I let anyone know what that is. But I will also do a podcast on that. I'll do a podcast on high integrity sales teams too. But I hope that gives a bit of an insight. You know, me, I'm always going to tell you the truth about what happens behind a launch. And yeah, if you have questions, go into the fabulous 5%. Like I'm always in there answering people's questions and hopefully doing your own launches, it will give you some insight into some of the things that you can do and to not worry if things are a bit challenging or don't go completely right because 
you can learn from them and the next launch you'll do even better because of the things you learned from this one so have a good week whatever it is you're doing and i will speak to you again next week thank you for listening to making money online with lisa johnson if you'd like to get hold of my guide to launching go to lisajohnson.com forward slash launch and let's get you making money online